Hey there, it's Dr. Nazanin Mo'oli, and I want to chat with you about a key ingredient for a fabulous date night, feeling sexy. And come on, let's be real. What you wear plays a big part in how you rock that confidence. That's why I'm thrilled to introduce you to Quince. Quince brings you premium European linen dresses, blouses, and shorts starting at just $30, along with washable silk tops, 40-carat gold jewelry, and more. And guess what? All of their goodies are priced 50 to 80% lower than similar brands. By teaming up directly with top factories, Quince skipped the middleman and hands us the saving. Plus, they stick to factories with safe, ethical practices and top-notch fabrics and finishes. How awesome is that? Picking from Quince's website was tough because they have a ton of fabulous choices. I ended up going for their 100% washable silk sleep dress in champagne. And let me tell you, my husband was floored. He's convinced whoever rocks this is in for a blast. I'm going to record some content on that dress so you can see how fabulous is that dress. Elevate your date night style with Quince. Pop over to quince.com slash sexology for free shipping on your order and 365-day returns. That's quince.com slash sexology to get free shipping and 365-day returns. quince.com slash sexology. Welcome to Sexology, a podcast that untangles the science of sex and pleasure. And now, with this week's episode, your host, clinical psychologist, Dr. Nazanin Moali. Hello there. Welcome to episode 15 of Sexology Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Nazanin Moali. Today, we're going to talk about a topic that you guys asked me to talk about for a long time. Ever since I started this podcast, I keep hearing that people want to know more about masturbation. They want to know, is it healthy? Is it harmful? How is it impacting your relationship? So I've been on the lookout for an expert that can talk about this topic openly and also someone who's knowledgeable in this area. Few months ago, I came across the information for Dr. Jennifer Gonzalez, and I'm super excited to have her on our show today. Dr. Jen Gonzalez, sociologist and sexologist, is a frequent speaker about sexual empowerment, healthy relationships, body image, erotic play, sexual consent, sexual health, and mindfulness. She has presented two TED Talks is a writer on sex and relationships and a recurring intimacy expert on the San Diego News. Her In the Den with Dr. Jen educational video series has over 1.3 million hits on YouTube, and she's an expert in the new documentary on masturbation called Sticky, a self-love story. In addition, as a martial art practitioner, she was recently promoted to black belt in Korean karate. So watch out for this badass doctor. Here's my conversation with Dr. Jen Gonzalez. Welcome to another episode of Sexology Podcast. As I mentioned 
during the introduction, I'm super excited about our conversation today. My guest is Dr. Jennifer Gonzalez, and we were going to talk about masturbation. That is a topic that many of you guys requested, and I'm super excited to have an expert so we can kind of talk more about it and expand on the topic. Dr. Gonzalez, welcome to our show. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. So again, this is a very popular topic for my listeners. <laughs> that makes me happy. I'm happy people want to know more about it and talk about it. That's good. Great, great. So let's go ahead and kind of I want to know more about what is a masturbation and is it normal? Is like, does people do that? So what's your experience, research and thoughts on that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So masturbation in general just means a a touching of yourself with the intent of sexual pleasure. Um, so it can be, you know, it, I mean, it can have the goal of orgasm. It doesn't have to. Just the intent is that you're you're sexually feeling good in some way and that you are creating that for yourself. You know, so you could be touching yourself. You could be using toys. You could be rubbing against something. In terms of being normal, yeah. I mean, and when we look at, at babies and young kids, they touch themselves. It, because it feels good. <laughs> you know, they, they find their genitals and they touch them. And that's a very normal, natural thing to do just to get to know our bodies and, and how our body responds to pleasure and, you know, sensation and touch. Yeah. So totally a normal, natural thing. You know, research shows that the majority of adults have certainly done it at one time or another, and many of them do it frequently. <laughs> Absolutely. And I love that you mentioned that it's some, something normal developmentally for the children to do, because sometimes I get the parents and they're very kind of concerned about what is it my child? Did, did she get abused or he got abused? Now there he's touching yeah. himself. So very reassuring to hear that that is very normal. Yeah, especially I mean, and that is, you know, that is obviously something to pay attention to, like, okay, is my child being harmed in some way? But in general, if they're just like, their hands are moving around their body and they find something that feels good, you know, they're just like us, you know, we want more of it. <laughs> Pleasure <laughs> is good. Yes. Yes, exactly. <laughs> you know, one interesting thing is that when whenever I recommend clients kind of explore their body, whether they have issues with their partners or they have issues with pleasure, I almost often hear like every single time they're kind of concerned about, are you sure it's not harmful? And I was looking online and I know that there was number, like most of the questions people have was, does it kind of cause emotional problems? Does it harm our body? What's your kind of take on that? Well, I, that's such an interesting question. And because so like, I'm actually curious with you, what type of emotional problems do you folks, are they afraid that it could cause? Yeah, some people think, you know, it's they're going to get addicted to an absolute there's some like compulsion, sure. like sexual compulsion. But that's I, yeah. I don't think that's the reason is that they started masturbating or are they thinking like, you know, it just kind of makes them lazy and all this kind of very um, oh, interesting, you know, interesting. Yeah, things. yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, the um, the, I mean, the the addictive or compulsive piece. And, and like you said, you know, that is a problem for some folks, although that's a, a small minority of folks. I mean, and I think it's like, you know, we have a piece of chocolate cake. And we're like, yay, that chocolate cake was delicious. But you don't just keep shoveling, you know, chocolate cake <laughs> into your mouth. You know, it doesn't become addictive or compulsive in that way. And I think, you know, masturbation can very much be in the same way. It's a way of, it's a way of treating yourself. It's, it's a, I mean, it's a positive thing. I mean, I think in general, my guess is that a lot of those questions come from a place of 
guilt and shame, um, which then often comes from, you know, our religious upbringing or specifically our family upbringing. And for some reason of, of all topics, you know, masturbation of all topics, it's something that we do alone. Nobody's getting harmed. There's no spreading of STIs. Nobody can get pregnant. Um, there's no exploitation. There's no rape. There's no harm. You know, it's just lovely sexual activity. Right. <laughs> um, and that, and it's nobody else's business, yet it absolutely gets kind of trained into us, some of us from a young age, that it is everybody else's business. And then we get controlled in that way. So I, my guess is that a lot of those questions maybe really come for just from a guilt or a shame or an embarrassment. And then, you know, a lack of any like frank and honest conversations around masturbation, because otherwise, no, no emotional problems or, or harm to one's body. I mean, unless you're, unless you're masturbating and you're really into BDSM or something, you know, then right. clearly then yeah, you could <laughs> harm your body, but you know, but you're, you're paying attention to all of that and you're, you're getting the immediate feedback. So no, I mean, while there's some small minor things, mostly across the board, it's a really positive thing emotionally and physically. Yeah. And I totally agree with you. So one time the in one context that I kind of got exposed to this kind of like way of thinking is I know that there are lots of like religious kind of guilt and shame as you were talking yeah. about. But one of my clients, he was a like highly educated client and we were talking about it was had some struggles and about his fantasies about masturbation. And he's like, oh, I don't masturbate because when I masturbated, I was like first time. And then my mom gave me a booklet and the booklet said people can go blind. <laughs> and that I mean, that's so interesting. Oh, and that makes me so sad. That's still talked about, right? Because that was especially in the, the 1800s, maybe early 1900s. That was that you're going to go blind. You're going to grow hairy palms. Right. All of these. Yeah. And again, all of these very clear fear tactics um, that somebody's afraid that you know, that gets instilled in children that they are going to do something that feels good to them, but everybody else is going to know about it. So they're going to be shamed for it because they go blind or because they grow hair on their palms. Right. And those are very scary for teenagers and children. Very scary. And that's not, that is not good sex education. (laughs) Right. You know, to control somebody through fear with misinformation, that's not empowering to people. Absolutely. Yeah. And the other side of it is I personally read a number of good potential positive outcomes. What are some of the things that you notice that that can kind of improve when people yeah. are going to masturbate, like mental health or like body or some of those? Yeah. yeah, no, it's such a good question. I mean, besides the obvious pleasure, you know, and it's there is, right. you know, it's nice to take care of ourselves. It, it is known to, you know, create relaxation and stress reduction. Um, for women, it can reduce menstrual cramps. Oh. Yeah, which is a really lovely one. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know that. Um, yeah. And um, and I think, I mean, one of my specialty areas is female sexual empowerment. And so, you know, I talk a lot, if I talk about masturbation, it's a lot of times for women. And for women, I think it's really valuable as a way to get to know your body. Because, you know, I know for me, for example, I grew up a good girl in Pennsylvania and our sex education classes, you know, never had the clitoris um, on the anatomy. It was never talked about. And so, and I was kind of a late bloomer. And so I didn't have my first boyfriend until I was 17 or 18. And he was the one that taught me about my clitoris and like what felt good. And I was like, that is, 
that is a, a disservice to me <laughs> that I learned about it from somebody who doesn't even have one. Right. But, um, and I'm lucky. I, I guess I'm lucky that he knew that much about the female anatomy. <laughs> Very advanced of him. <laughs> that he could uh, teach it to me. But yeah, and so that's something that masturbation can provide for all of us, but specifically women, where we may be taught a detachment or a disembodiment from our bodies of, you know, how our body operates, what it looks like, you know, looking in a mirror so you can see what everything looks like and how all the pieces go together and what feels good and what doesn't and maybe what doesn't feel good right now, but in five or 10 minutes starts to feel really good. It's just a really neat way of empowering ourselves to know to know our bodies around sexual pleasure. And then we can bring that knowledge to a partner. Um, because I, I hear, you know, for example, I hear um, from men in, in, who are heterosexual that sometimes they, they do ask women, you know, what do you like? How do you like it? And so, and that's a great question to ask because we're all wired differently. But that's so often then women would respond like, you know, I don't know, just, just do what you know how to do. Um, and right. so, I mean, it's so great that the guy was asking for direction and help, but unless we're able to get over our, the shame or embarrassment or whatever we've been taught from society and learn our own bodies, we can't share that with a partner. Absolutely. And I love the part that you talked about that it's a place of discovery because I know with, with many of my female clients as well, they have struggles, some of them that they kind of like, they, they, they don't quite know what's pleasurable. So if you know your body, you can kind of guide your partner to kind of do things that gives you pleasure. And I honestly think it's empowering to kind of like bring pleasure to yourself. Absolutely. Absolutely. I actually have, um, I created this a while ago, um, something called meditative masturbation. Oh, interesting. It, <laughs> it's, a, um, it's a free 10 minute um, audio file um, that I have on my website. If, side note, lots of people must be looking for this because it's one of the things that I get the most hits on on my <laughs> website. So I was like, okay, this is like a thing people are looking for. Yeah, it sounds um, very interesting. Yeah, it's specifically, it's specifically for women that do feel like they have shame or embarrassment around masturbation. And so it's a, it's a, a mindful, like I, I just an audio guide where I talk them through uh, kind of the idea of just like you would set up a seduction scene for a partner, like a romantic scene, if you wanted to create a romantic interaction, that you do the same thing for yourself. And that you know, you give yourself permission to take care of yourself and create, you know, maybe some nice music or some nice candles or dim the lights and get rid of the technology and, you know, create a cozy space for yourself just to start touching yourself and exploring yourself with no no goal of orgasm or anything like that, but just to explore and learn yourself. And I guide folks through that and then just have it, you know, transition into some music um, so that they can continue for as long as they want. Oh, I love that. I'm going to put a note of that in the show notes because oh, it's awesome. such a yeah, great yeah. resource. Cool. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes, you know, with one of some of my female clients, and I'm thinking specifically about one of them, we were talking about the uh, masturbation and she she was talking about something that I hear quite often. She was thinking that, you know, masturbation is like secondary, like, you know, lower than, less than actual, like, in you know, a partner sex. And she was thinking, yeah. if I masturbate, it means I'm so lonely and miserable and I cannot find someone. And that part of it was a turnoff for her. What's your thoughts on that? Yeah, yeah it's a really good question. I think, well, I mean, and I think that is part of the stigma and shame. Um, in that we learn about, that many of us learn about masturbation growing up, that it's pathetic. 
And that's why then we do, we, you know, we don't want to talk about it or like men, if they talk about it often, it's just in a joking way, but to really own up and be like, yeah, I masturbate because right. It's got that like pathetic side to it, which is again, that is, I think that's, that's a lot of the mental emotional control that, you know, I think a lot of it does come from religions have created so that, you know, to take control from us. And I, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I think some of that was the intent of just, you know, if, if you control people's thoughts, you control our bodies. But no, I think it, it serves as a different purpose. I, I think it can be problematic if your partner wants to be intimate with you. Um, and otherwise, you have a good relationship, you know, like, right. you know, your partner's not beating you or, you know, or anything or verbally abusing you or anything like that. Otherwise, if you have a good relationship and your partner wants to be intimate with you and you find yourself, you know, sneaking off to masturbate instead of choosing to be with them, like that's something to look at. But otherwise, if you're traveling, if your partner's away, or if you have different um, sex drives, masturbation is a great way to take care of yourself. So you're not putting pressure on your partner. Yeah, I just, I think it's something that should be talked about. I mean, when I see clients sometimes, I know that this is a loaded topic. You know, if we're sort of, if they have mismatched sex drives, I'll often ask the question, you know, how often do you masturbate? And I could see them both kind of like freeze up and I could tell that that's not a topic they talk about. Right. Um, And and so I think it's really valuable just to, again, not to have that shame or embarrassment around it and to be able to talk about that because then you can get a sense of where is your partner's sex drive? Where is their desire? And then that desire, though, sometimes you just have a desire to just to like scratch that itch and get off. Right. Sometimes though, you know, like the energy and the emotional energy that's required to connect with your partner. Maybe you don't quite have all of that that you need because you're really tired. Again, I think that's something, all of that is normal, but I think that's something that's really valuable to talk with your partner about and not shame or blame either one for it, but just get it out there because then maybe your partner thinks, oh, if we're going to have sex or make love, it needs to be this hour long thing. And I just don't have the energy for that. And then maybe you're like, yeah, no, I really just want quickies sometimes. I don't need that either. Right. <laughs> you know, maybe you're making assumptions and I've totally seen couples do that before. And then they're like shocked. They are like, I had no idea you wanted that. You're like, that's what I want. Right. But they didn't talk about it. So I, I think it's a it's a good topic to broach um, and to and to be gentle with each other around it, to know that it is unfortunately laden with so many misconceptions and and myths and and shame. Yeah, absolutely. And I like how you were talking about that many couples are not even kind of like talking about it. I always I'm kind of trained dynamically. So I kind of tried to explore sexual fantasies. And when I started working, I was a little bit naive and I started going right there. And people, I could see like people's horror. I was talking about <laughs> sexual fantasy in couple therapy. Now I learned to kind of normalize and kind of go slowly. But it is so important for people to know it's normal. Many people do it. I mean, it depends on your sex drive, as you said, where you are in your like a life cycle. So I, I love it that you say it's very common. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And the other thing is, so we talked about how that might be kind of like people who are like, you want a different kind of experience, you might do the masturbation. But what are like, I keep hearing people think about like, if you masturbate, you're taking something away from our relationship. So what are some of the other ways that can kind of you think it might hurt relationship? Is that true that it hurts the relationship? 
Well, and one thing I want to say, because you just, um, and then I'll, I'll answer that exact question, but your lead into it made me think that, I mean, mutual masturbation, although, I mean, so mutual masturbation right. could be touching each other in a masturbatory way, but mutual masturbation in terms of that you're actually masturbating yourselves, but in front of each other. Right, which can be very erotic. Absolutely, absolutely erotic. And I think, and like, if you're both, you know, if you're in that place that you're like, ah, I don't, we don't have the energy um, but we both kind of want to get off, but it'd be nice to do it together and, you know, and again, not feel embarrassed, but get turned on by each other. And you get to see how the other one likes to be touched. Right. Like there's, just, there's a ton of value in that. So again, th- and that's a great example of how it's not taking anything from your relationship. It's absolutely adding to your relationship and to your eroticism together. Right. Otherwise, then you asked about, is it hurting your relationship? And, and I do think um, it's unfortunate that, that it you know, can be secretive. And that, I mean, that's a, a dynamic that a couple creates together often. And I think in that way, like if you feel like you're, I don't know, if you have negative views on masturbation, if you have negative views on pornography and your partner, you know, uses pornography when they masturbate, that can cause rifts in a relationship and somebody can feel like they're pulling away or right, that they're fantasizing about other people and they're looking at porn. And I mean, I think. Again, I think the more you communicate around all of that is important. I get it can absolutely be triggering to folks and they can feel really insecure. But there's that middle place of like our fantasy, like whatever goes on in our head, nobody else knows. Right. <laughs> you know, and that that is a, you know, and like you said, it's a great topic to talk about in couples counseling or just with your partner on your own, again, without judging each other. But like, that's where you get insights into, you know, what? I mean, what your partner fantasizes about is what, you know, is what's so hot for them. And that's valuable just to know, because once you learn that, and if you could talk about that, then one, you could either integrate it in big or small ways into your sex life together. Or you can even, because I know some couples that really like telling stories to each other, and they know the fantasies that the other one has. So when they're together, they may actually be create verbally creating a scene Right. That they know is really arousing to their partner. So, I mean, there's lots and lots of ways that the masturbation aspect, the fantasy aspect and talking about it um, and doing things together can add um, to our relationship. One more time to get back to the, you know, is it hurting the relationship? I mean, I just think, you know, if it's compulsive in any way, you know, just like anything else of gambling or anything else, if it's compulsive, if you're doing it all day long, if you're not going to your job, if you're secretive and hiding stuff, if you feel a lot of shame afterwards, those things can all hurt a relationship. Absolutely. Like, and I know based on my experience with a compulsive piece of it, it's not necessarily even about sex. It's just a matter of like escape. People are kind of zoning out and right. this is a the method they use. Right, right. And yeah, and clearly you get the endorphins and the dopamine and it's something that feels good. But yeah, I mean, so that's right. That's problematic with anything else. I also think the only thing is if, if, you have a very particular way that you masturbate that's hard to translate to a partner. That can be tough sometimes because I know some folks in that they learned, you know, maybe they masturbated as kids and then they, their brain can become kind of wired of only being able to get off a certain way. And so I think sometimes, 
I mean, and that, like anything else, if you're working with it with your partner, you could figure out how to integrate somebody into that and that maybe you're actively touching yourself, they're actively touching you and doing things. So that's the only thing that sometimes, I mean, we do, our, our, you know, our, our brain becomes wired in what most easily arouses us or brings us to orgasm. And sometimes that wiring can take time to translate to somebody else. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Yeah. And I think open communication is such an important thing. Yeah. Then you can share that with your partner as as you were talking about the fantasies. I know sometimes people get scared. Oh, if I if he tells me his fantasy or if she tells me her fantasy, I need to do it. But that's not true. Even I know no. with many of my clients, they're just, as you said, talking about it. It's just so uh, erotic for them and just so arousing that, that even that can do the magic. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's our brain that turns us on. Right, right. For sure. And I know, you know, a number of women that may fantasize about, you know, being dominated um, or being overcome and ravished by somebody. And the, you know, the aspect of that in real life can feel scary um, of not being in control. But to share that with your partner and that your partner could potentially start to bring in minor ways of controlling you or making you feel like so desired. Um, or, you know, dominated in small ways, you could just start to get the energy. That's one thing that I like about fantasies and exploring them. What's the what's the energy in the fantasy, you know, that that you have and that some that, you know, other people that you're with or that you're watching has? And is it wild and crazy? Or is it really connected and loving? Or is it dominant and submissive? Or is it, you know, risky because it's outdoor? You know, like, what's that emotion? and What's that energy behind it? And then how can you tap into that in small yet safe yet enticing ways in your own sex life? Absolutely. And I can't agree more because I feel like one of the challenge that many of the couples have that they're just going to, they, they do the same kind of safe behaviors. Right. And I know it works for some people, but it doesn't for many people. And right. it's very important to kind of exploring things that like small ways that you can kind of create some kind of change. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. And this is a great way to do it. Yeah. Uh, and one other thing that's interesting is I know that uh, it's a side note that like one of my clients, she was telling me that she started using toys. She was started using vibrator. And if she felt after that, she's not able to get she goes, she's not able to get orgasm with her partner. Have you heard about that? Well, yeah. And it's right. But that's a, the 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 vibration thing is a thing that pops up a lot. And I've seen mixed research on it. I mean, so I do think it can play into the, you know, the wiring of your brain and your body of what gets you off. And right. And if you're used to something that vibrates at a, you know, say that it's really strong. Right. But what I've found a lot of times is that the women that gravitate towards really strong vibrators are women that do not orgasm easily, like on their own or with somebody else. So I, I think... I don't know. I, I mean, I, I think it could play out multiple ways, but at least I know that's the case for some women. And and I think if that's the case, then you're probably going to want to integrate a vibrator into your interactions with your partner. If if you would like to have an orgasm and that's the that's a way that you can reliably have an orgasm, then, I mean, teach your partner how to use it or you're using it on yourself and they're doing other things. Yeah. So, I mean, I do the whole... I mean, I think some women might feel numb some after a vibrator, but after 10 or 15 minutes, I think all of the sensation is back. So I, I don't think there's any, there's no lasting impact on right. that. Right. Um, 
Yeah, it's a complicated topic because, like I said, I think it's sort of mixed reviews. And when I ever see stuff about it, I always try to get a sense of, like, is this article or perspective, are they coming from a moral perspective where they want to (laughs) talk down about masturbation or vibrators? And then on the flip side, though, I think some people are so so gung-ho sex positive, which is fantastic. However, they could sometimes not want to see the science behind things <laughs> if it's negative. So I kind of, I don't know. I think, you know, pay attention to your own body, know your own body, talk to your partners about it, and then be willing that if if your partner used to be able to make you orgasm and then you started using a vibrator and then it doesn't work anymore and, and there's not other factors like you went on antidepressants or anything else like that, then maybe... Take a hiatus from your vibrator um, and, you know, take some time off from it and see if it makes a difference with your partner. I'm just, I'm a big fan of just playing around with things. Right, right. And I I totally get it. Yeah. And I think people sometimes kind of confuse the correlation with causation. Right. Absolutely. As you said, like maybe they start SSRI, maybe like, you know, the dynamic of relationship change. So it's not as simple as you were talking about. Something yeah. else that it was like you were talking about early, like early childhood wiring. And I one way that I can see that like people's like I know early on, they get all kind of messages about masturbation and yeah. it's everywhere. So the one question that I often get is that parents want to know how can they talk about masturbation with their children? That's kind of like, you know, uh, communicate that like, you know, they wouldn't kind of make them vulnerable to judgment in the public places, but yeah, also right. wouldn't right, right. kind of cause like a cell, like a sex negative attitude. Right. About it. Yeah. The, the best approach that I've heard from parents is that um, the one I mean, because often it comes up because your child is touching themselves. And so I think, you know, the first response is be like, yeah, to acknowledge like, yeah, that feels good, doesn't it? You know, and so um, just acknowledging the feedback that they're getting from their body and that acknowledgement in a non-shaming way um, of just like a normalizing way. And then I think the second step is is just a, a clear communication of boundaries of like, yeah, that absolutely feels good. Like everybody does that. And that's something that we do in private in our bedroom. And that's, I know parents that have done that and they just, they, they say that type of same message over and over again. And then, this is so adorable, I've heard stories about like, I think it was somebody they were talking to, it was like their five-year-old or something that like grabbed her teddy bear. And then she's like, I'm going to go in my bedroom for some private time now. <laughs> <laughs> adorable. And they're like, go for it. <laughs> I love that. So like totally normal. And she got that it was a private thing and she wasn't embarrassed about it. And then I think as, you know, kids are getting older, there's so many great age appropriate books, um, sex ed books like on Amazon and, you know, bookstores that can help you know how to talk to your kids, you know, because they'll talk about all different aspects of sex. So you can use the book to guide through. Or if you're not quite sure how to broach it yourself, just leave the book sitting out. Right. (laughs) You know, so that your child can find it on their own. I mean, ideally you want to talk to them, but at least least make resources available to them that, you know, normalize that it does feel good um, and normalizes them, you know, learning about their body and anatomy and, and topics like that. Right, right. And the, my last question is that I, I bet as a sexologist, sex educator, you always hear all kind of like very diverse like myth and misconceptions about masturbations. Can you think about any of them that we didn't address? I know we address so many great ones. <laughs> um, 
I don't know. I mean, um, actually, I mean, where my head goes with this is, um, you know, back in like the 1800s, actually, like that um, graham crackers and cornflakes were actually originally created um, because they were bland foods and they thought that they would curb the sexual appetites of children. Really? That yeah. is so interesting. <laughs> right. Yeah, I know. It's so ridiculous if you think that like Sylvester Graham and all that was his motivation behind graham crackers. Oh, I so, love them. Now I cannot think about it the same. <laughs> I know. Although today's version of them have so much more sugar and, you know, refined carbohydrates and uh, they would probably do more to stimulate. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I, I, was, I was thinking. <laughs> probably than anything else. So, um, and that's uh, just a side note. Um, I referenced that because that, um, there's a great documentary that came out last year. Um, I think you, oh, you mentioned it in my bio called um, Sticky, right. a self-love story. Yeah. And that's um, the graham cracker thing is mentioned in that. And it's just, it's the only, mas- or it's the only documentary ever made around masturbation. And looking at the stigma and the taboo around it, and then looking at religious perspectives, political perspectives, the shame, the embarrassment, medical perspectives. And it, it's just, yeah, it's really, really well done. It's very moving and touching, <laughs> literally, um, <laughs> um, <laughs> but also just really um, fast paced, a lot of pop culture references. So I love to, I mean, I'm one of the experts that was interviewed in it. But it's, I think it's just such a fun resource for people. And if you have Amazon Prime, you can actually stream it for free. Oh, I didn't know that. This is what I'm going to do later today. <laughs> hey, awesome. <laughs> great, great. Thank you so much for providing all this great content. I bet many of our listeners would like to kind of contact you. And I know you had a number of good videos on your website that I personally watched. So what would be the best way of reaching out to you? Um, the best way is my website, my drjensden.com uh, website. That's my main hub for everything. For my, I have a In the Den with Dr. Jen channel on YouTube and all my social media stuff, but my Dr. Jen's Den website is my hub for everything. Awesome, awesome. I'll make sure that I include the link and like so my listeners can get a hold of you that way. Yeah, thank you. This all has right. been great. This is, I think your questions were awesome. Thank you. Thank you so much for your time. It was absolutely a pleasure. You too. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed the conversation I had with Dr. Jen Gonzalez. I found her energy very exciting and her knowledge was fantastic. And since I'm recording this part afterward, I watched the documentary. It's so fascinating and humorous and with lots of great information. So I highly recommend you to check it out. And as we were talking about, you know, masturbation still gets lots of bad rep in society, in families. And one of the challenges is that like people are not talking about it openly and it's sometimes very shame based. So I hope you got the message that masturbation is a normal part of your sexuality. And even if you're not involved in, like even if you're involved in a relationship or you're single, I mean, many people in the, who are in their happy relationships, they're masturbate, it's not impacting their relationship, or it's not, as Dr. Jen talked about, kind of a lower kind of sexual behavior, it's just different kind of sexual expression. And even if you choose not to do it, and you're not doing it because you feel shameful, it's just like you feel 
comfortable with you where you are with the sexual your sexual needs are getting met and you feel okay i don't need to do it right now you don't need to feel shameful about that as well the stati- i was looking at the statistic and the research shows that between the age of 18 and 60 like 54 percent to 72 percent of women are engaging in masturbation regularly obviously cross-cultural it's different this part this study was done in a Western society and also for male, the number is much higher. It's between like 72% and 84%. So again, it's very normal. And I hope that you were able to kind of gather some information about the ways that you can use this sexual expression to learn more about your body. If you have any question, as usual, you can email me, Dr. Moali at sexologypodcast.com. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to Sexology Podcast. For more great content, visit www.sexologypodcast.com. Please be advised that information presented on this podcast is not a substitute for seeking help from a licensed mental health provider.